You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. How do you make a great first impression when people can't even see you? That's actually a trick question because people will always see you. Yes, even when they just hear your voice. You see, the tone, rhythm, and pitch of your voice immediately paint a picture in people's minds. If it's an attractive picture, they will immediately be drawn to you. If it isn't, they will back away. Your voice tells a story. What story is your voice telling? Hey, hello, storytellers, and welcome once again to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I'm excited to announce that our sponsor is Audible. They are offering you, our listeners, a free download of one of your favorite audio books. You get to choose from 180,000 titles, and you also get a one-month free trial of Audible's entire service. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. That is www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. For your convenience, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio, as well as the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. Because the theme of the show is change your story, change your life, I've created a free gift for you, my listeners. It is an ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life in Business. You can download it immediately at www.changeyourstorypodcast.com. One of the most rewarding things in this podcast for me is my ongoing dialogue with you, my storytellers, my listeners. Let's continue that dialogue. Keep sending your comments about what you're getting from the show and what you'd like to see in it going forward. Send them to Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. I promise to read every message I receive and to choose some of them to share with you on the show. Storytellers, you know that there's always a method to my madness. And today, I opened with a question about your voice. The reason I did that is because today's guest is a woman that I would call a voice magician. She's a professional actress, a presentation coach, and a voice and movement specialist who helps her clients discover, unleash, and develop their powerful, natural voices. They gain confidence, overcome limiting beliefs, 
conquer fears and make more money when they work with Lynn Woodman. She has taught the fundamentals of communication. And she's given voice and speech training at dozens of universities, including the University of Toronto, York University, the University of Guelph, the University of Waterloo, and the list goes on and on and on. She's worked with professional actors at a prestigious theater in Toronto called Soul Pepper. And as an actor and performer, Lynn graduated from one of Canada's premier theater schools called the Playhouse Acting School. She continued her studies in New York City at the prestigious Herbert Berghoff Studios, which, by the way, guys, is where I also studied. She's performed in more than 30 theater productions across Canada, appeared in several films and TV shows, and she's done voiceovers for and appeared in dozens of TV and radio commercials. Lynn has her own coaching business that she calls Voice Power, and I'm going to let her later on tell you more about that. But for now, I am very excited, very proud, and honored to welcome my friend and professional colleague, Lynn Woodman. Lynn, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Well, hello, Lewis. What a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the delightful introduction. Well, you're quite, quite welcome. And of course, I have to comment every time I hear your voice, it's a special voice. It's a voice <laughs> that uh, I know I'm not the only one wants to listen to. Now, you know, you're an actress in voice, film, TV, and stage, and you were an actress long before you became a voice and presentation coach. So why don't you tell us a bit about when you became an actress and how you got started? Oh, my. Holy moly, I have to cast way back in my memory uh, because I didn't get started instantly, but I, I knew quite young that I wanted to be an actor, and I started my, my early training at age 13, um, and I started loving it instantly. It was, it was, it was immediate. It was love. It was need. <laughs> uh, I, I was, I'd found my calling at a very early age. And I didn't want fame and I didn't want fortune and all of those things. I just really wanted to be a good actor. That was what drove me. That's wonderful. You started your training, you said, around 13, but was there um, an earlier period that you remember, maybe something that really lit that light in you, that fire that, that got you all excited? Well, yes, actually, and it's, it's, it was when I was quite young. I was in grade five, and I remember it very, very clearly. Um, it was pivotal, pivotal. Um, there was a school play. I can't even remember what it was, some school play that we were doing classroom wasn't even a school play it was just a classroom play and we were all assigned roles and I was given the role of playing a little note little little doodly doop do on my plastic recorder announcing the arrival of the the prince and that was it that's all I had to do but I I got that plastic recorder man and I learned my doodly doop de do and I was really excited I I just was so excited to be part of this, and, and, and that's the feeling that I remember. 
just being excited to be part of this 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 event, this spectacle. Uh, and I didn't think much about it after that. I mean, you know, it happened. It was an event in grade five. And then uh, I think it was a year later, I had the great good fortune because my parents were stationed, my father was stationed in Germany. Uh, he was in the Canadian Armed Forces and we were on a NATO base. So I went to school there for three years and uh, we got to vacation around the world. And so I got to go to London with my folks and they took me to a matinee of Hello, Dolly. That was it. I was gone. I was a goner. I was a goner. I didn't even know that I was a goner, but I just was so in love, so enraptured, so delighted, so happy when I saw that piece. And, and, and I guess that stuck with me so that by the time I was 13 and we were stationed in Winnipeg, Manitoba now, and, uh, you know, it was brand new to this city and little city in the prairies and didn't know what to do with myself. And a friend of my mom said, well, well I used to do this amateur acting class with this such and such a studio. Why don't you go do it? And I did. And I was so scared when I went. I was so scared. And then within about 15 minutes of being in the class, I was at home. I, I felt that's how I felt, Lewis. I felt at home. Wow, that's, that's, that's wonderful. I mean, do you remember how old you were when you saw Hello, Dolly? I couldn't have been more than 12, wow. 11 or 12. That is so wonderful. You know, when, uh, the, the, those early impressions that shape the rest of our lives, we don't even know that it's happening at the time. That is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, you do definitely have a very compelling voice that people like and want to hear. Was your voice always like that? Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, so, when I was finally accepted into professional theater school at the Playhouse Acting School in Vancouver, um, I, I wasn't accepted. I, I, I tried twice. I got in the second time, and it was a two-year wait between auditions. Uh, they only accepted 12 people every two years, so I had to wait two whole years. The first time, I was just devastated, didn't get in. Second time, got in, but was told, I, I think we auditioned in the, in the early spring, and the semester didn't start, obviously, until the fall. So they'd said, look, your voice is really, really weak. It's thin, it's pushed, it's pinched, it's all these things, and, uh, and you really need to do some work on it to bring yourself up to the same level as, as the others um, before we even start school. I, oh, my Lord. I was, well, I sort of knew what they meant, but I didn't really. And, and in truth, I didn't even do that much over the summer because I didn't know what to do. Uh, but anyway, I got into school and I got into the training. And, and, and really, it is through the training that I, I didn't develop a new voice I released my real voice, my natural voice, my powerful instrument that I was born with. That is wonderful. And what I like particularly, a couple of things, I mean, um, some people would have heard that and they would have been crushed and they would have given up and they would have said, well, that's the voice I was born with and there's nothing I can do about it. And they would have given up on the dream to become an actress, but mm. you you didn't do that, and as a result, you made some amazing discoveries that there was this powerful voice inside of you, and uh, 
One of the things that I think stands out for me about your voice is the fact that it has a fullness to it and it has a range to it. And you have um, access to your, the lower range of your voice. And I don't know about you, but very often when I hear certain women speak, it seems like their voices are the voices of little girls. They only mm. access a very, very high-pitched, tiny, tiny sound. And I look at them, and the physical picture I get is not the same as the picture I'm getting and the sound I'm getting from the voice. Do you find that that is an issue with some women? Wow. Boy, do I ever. Um, that really, thank you for bringing that up because it's a, it's a big I won't call it a pet peeve. It's not a pet peeve. It's actually a passion because I, I, I agree with you. I do hear some young women and older women who, and you've said it very accurately, they don't access their whole voice. They're only accessing the upper range and their voices become small and thin. Um, so, Yes, I agree, uh, and and I also experience uh, these young little girl voices sometimes. For young professional women, uh, I'm I'm saying no. Listen, our voices change over our lifetime, uh, and and we do tend to get it does tend to get lower if you have a strong voice, and we do tend to get a little lower in our range. So, my voice has probably dropped. Um, a degree or so since I was younger. But that being said, these young women who are cut off from their voices, it's not that much to get reconnected to your whole voice. It, it is, it's actually more natural than you would think. Uh, but we've, we, we're conditioned, and that's where my heart gets broken a little bit. Um, I feel these... There's a conditioning going on, and uh, these these people, these young women, when they are cut off from their voices, their their voices are cut off from being heard. So they're not being heard. That's what that's the heartbreak to me. Their their important message is not being heard. You mean their important message is not being heard? Yeah. Now, do you have any feelings or opinions about? why this would happen to women, why they would, I would say, unconsciously start speaking with a voice that is only high-pitched and small? Well, there's so many very varying things that go on in a person's life and one's life, but talking in general, um, rather than any sort of type of person right now, but in general... Through the course of everyone's life, we, are, you know, we take on stressors and we embody, embody those stressors. Those stresses become embodied and we lock up. Our shoulders get tight, our aches and pains happen, etc. And this, this happens young. This happens, this happens to young kids as well as, they are, as we become conditioned to sit in furniture that doesn't fit us or we have to sit still for too long and we don't exercise, and all the things that I think uh, everybody knows anyway. These conditionings of sit still, sit up, uh, do this, do that, that we all have to go through to be socialized in our lives, um, these, these socializing conditions become unconsciously embedded. And so the message is 
we have to fall in line or we have to, we have been socialized and somewhere in our being socialized, we get cut off from our natural impulses. Mm-hmm. Am, I, is, am I making sense? Am I rambling? I hope not. No, no, no. You're not rambling at all. It's, and um, I mean, it, to me, what I'm hearing is that there's a strong cultural conditioning. And one of the things that I was thinking of is that uh, some women, especially if they're uh, of an older generation, were brought up to believe that women are supposed to keep their place, that they're supposed to be subservient. And a good way to do that is to sound like you're a little girl so you don't threaten men. Is there anything to that? Well, what do you think? I think there's an awful lot to that. I think there's an awful lot to that. And, And, you know, status plays a huge role in our society, in our cultures and our social in our, in our being socialized and we all uh, we all have little switch on switch off valves men women uh, with strong voices with weak voices when we're in a status a high status low status situation um, there there's a natural there's a natural thing that happens to us that we fall into place oh you you, you know with, Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say with women, as you were saying, an older generation, that is that falling into place has been so naturalized from from the cradle that their voices don't get developed. They're they, they, they're so shut off from their own impulses um, that they're in a pleasing mode. So they don't want to, by any stretch of the imagination, threaten anybody, especially a man. That's that, that, that's that's great. You you expressed that so well, and of course, in your work, if you have a client like that, you know how to guide them to discover the real power of their natural voice, don't you? Yes, I do. That's that's exactly what I do. Wonderful. You know, you you reminded me of something that I had forgotten about status, and this is actually humorous, but I grew up in a home with Italian parents. And, of course, they spoke Italian to one another. And they were from the, um, uh, the area around Naples. So the dialect that they spoke is called the, the Neapolitan dialect. Mm-hmm. However, if someone came to visit and that person, let's say, was from Rome and they were considered to be a little more hoity-toity, a little more upper class, I would hear my parents switch into proper Italian. And it was amazing. I go, that's not how they talk to each other. (laughs) But it was a status thing because they didn't want to be perceived as, you know, vulgar or or as peasants. And it was a total status thing. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. That's really, really a very, very great story to highlight exactly (laughs) what happens. Now, you know, I'm fascinated by the fact, like I said at the very beginning, I asked the question about how can you make a great first impression when people can't even see you? Well, that's another way of saying that your voice is telling a story. And so can you give me examples of voices that have told you stories that may not have been accurate just because of the voice, the picture that the voice painted? 
Yes, I have many of those stories. Uh, uh, thank you for asking. The one that comes to mind, and I guess I've told this story a few times, the one that comes to mind is a, is a phone call I made to a company a few years back. I needed something. I needed a part or I needed information. I, I can no longer even remember the details. But I remember the call. And so the, this woman answered the phone, and, uh, and she was very... I knew she was wanted to be helpful, but she was very retiring. That's 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 what I can say. Her voice was quite quite soft, really quite soft, and 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 her phrasing was quite broken. And she ended in upspeak. Do you know what upspeak is, Lewis? Or I, I do. I want to stop you for one second. There was a moment when your you broke up. And I actually lost what you were saying. So if you could just repeat what you were saying about the quality of her voice. And then I do know what upspeak is, but you can explain it to our okay, audience. Okay, well, the quality of her voice was very weak and, okay. and overly soft. Hesitant, I would say. Hesitant. Not, not communicating confidence. I felt, so the picture I got from this woman, because that's what we were talking about, vocal profile. What I call vocal pro. What's your vocal profile? What picture does your voice paint? Oh, and upspeak. She had a lot of upspeak. So that's when you are making a statement, but you end in a question. What I'm doing right now is called upspeak. And I'd, I'll talk about upspeak a little later on after this story, because this woman doesn't come from the generation of upspeak. Upspeak is a, you know, sort of stems from the valley girl thing. And it's just, it's, it's all across North America now. Guys are doing it. But anyway, the, um, so this woman's did not communicate confidence, even though, even though she was able to give me the information in a very hesitant manner. Uh, I just saw this really kind of drab, quiet, mousy woman who sat in a corner in her office and her colleagues may notice or may not. She just seemed like she was pastels. I, I, I couldn't quite get a grip on her. And the long and the short of it is, and this is the point to my story, is in the end, I would not, was not compelled to ever call that company back and do business with them. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I, she gave me what I needed, but I could get what I needed from other companies, and I would prefer to go to some place that is more proactive in their energy, even on their front lines, on their phones. Yeah, I get you. And it's very yeah. powerful. And what I would love people who are listening to take away from this is to start paying attention that what your energy is in your voice, especially when you answer the phone, because very often we answer the phone mechanically. We don't give it any thought. Nope. And we don't realize that we're immediately painting a picture or telling a story to the person on the other end. And sometimes that picture or that story is not serving us very, very well. And it's really, really important, you know, especially if you're in any kind of business at all. I know that recently I made some phone calls to people who were supposed to be personal uh, uh, life coaches. And when I heard their voicemail, I heard a person who sounded cold, distant, even 
a little sad or depressed. And mm-hmm. I heard that I heard that just from a voice message. And b- believe me, I wouldn't be wanting to talk to that person about being my life coach. And that's and so I- interesting, isn't it? That you can pick that up, and it's it's it, it, it's if if you listened back to the recording and and you put it on slow, so you could really you know, analyze this recording, you wouldn't be able to pick out any one thing that gave across that tone. And yet, all put together, it's a tone of, well, as you were saying, it seemed cold and distant. Yeah, exactly. And and, and here's the thing, too. There have been times when I have heard a person's voice and I've gotten a specific picture of them that wasn't very complimentary. Maybe I even saw them as much older. And then I'd meet the person and I go, oh my God, yeah. this this person is 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 vibrant, they're attractive, etc. But the story that I got from the voice was just the opposite. Well, that so, happens to me a lot, as you can well imagine. I get a lot of people who come to me, and I first I'm I talk to people on the phone first. Uh, extensively, and I, I like you, and, and I like everybody. We get a mental image, and uh, usually the people are much younger uh, in their voices than when I meet them, and they're way more attractive. They're way more attractive than their voices are somehow communicating. And I, I don't mean attractive in you know just their physical looks, in their being, their being isn't coming through. It's like talking in the t- only one, uh, we were talking about a thin voice or young thin voices where only the top register. It's like only a, a, a tiny fraction of you is coming through in your voice. And that's what, pe- that's, that's what people, that's, that's why we pick up the tone. They're not interested in me. They're cold. They're this, they're that. They're young. They're disinterested, whatever. Uh, we, we're feeling, it's, it's, it's an immediate and it's an unconscious feeling we get. Yeah, and it's an impression. It's it's, it's an powerful. impression that then we we fill out in our mind. You know, we we do say first impressions are very important, and of course they are. I like to be a little more generous. I think that people deserve more than their very first impression. But a first impression in business, heck, you and I both know it is bottom line. Yeah, that's true. You know. Um, uh, what I just thought of just a simple thing for people to take away too is that I know that when I've done voiceover work um, for commercials, sometimes the director will say to me, on the next take, put a more of a smile in your voice. Now, the first time a person hears that, if they're not a voice professional, they might think, wait a minute, how does your voice smile? Well, have a warm thought. Think about somebody you really like before you open your mouth, and lo and behold, your voice might sound more warm, like you're smiling. And that is one way to start strengthening and making your story more attractive. Would you agree? I would agree. So what I'm hearing when you say, think of somebody that you feel really warmly about or you feel like makes you smile, is you're connecting, you're connecting really deeply to something within you that is real, that person in your mind at the moment, and it, and it evokes a feeling. That's awesome. A simple way of doing it, too, though, is to just simply smile. 
keep the smile while you're talking. Literally, it physically lifts everything in your speech organs, your mouth, everything that's going on inside your mouth, and it somehow unconsciously lifts your energy. And there you will get a smile in your voice. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with people. Now, when did you develop a love for voice and movement work? Because I know that, I mean, you began as an actress, and then at some point, you started becoming a teacher, an instructor of voice and movement. So when and how did that happen? Well, when I was really, really going after and pursuing actress, actress, I just had actress on the brain. I essentially put all my cookies in one basket. <laughs> I, put all, I, put, I put everything of who I am into one basket, actress. And, and, I, and while I was in my training, um, I always had a very strong feel for movement and the voice work. Anything that is corporal is very, uh, it's, it's still very much, it's a very strong part of me. Um, so when I was out of school and, and, and I had a natural desire to coach and teach, so I, I would do the odd class. And then my mentor asked me if I would like to come and train with her and she would train me to be a voice teacher. Well, goodness gracious. It, I was gobsmacked. It had never occurred to me that that was something that I could and should do. And as soon as she said it, I, it made complete sense. And, uh, and so the long and the short of it is I received a Canada Council grant. I was funded to go and study professionally with a uh, well-known Canadian voice teacher of the time, the late Loy Coots. And then I also, at the same time, uh, fashioned into my Canada Council grant for studying, I also worked with another well-known uh, movement teacher named Leslie French. So I had two top teachers who I was being mentored by, um, and then I was also teaching at the same time, and, and, and that was it. I mean, teaching just became part of me, and wonderful. that's how I got into it. Fantastic. That's wonderful. When did you add presentation training to the work that you're already doing because that to me like in my life too was a transition more from training actors Mm -hmm. to training business people now so when did you start adding that well that's exactly what happened to me as well I wanted to work with all kinds of people after a certain, you know, after 20 years of working with actors, I wanted to work, still work with actors, but I wanted to work with other people as well. And so I had to learn it. I had to, I had to learn. I wanted to know about presentation. I'd never done a presentation. So I, I, I learned from people who know how to do presentations, who, who I guess I was mentored as well by other uh, wonderful coaches. And I learned their methods and their approaches and then morphed them into my own approach. Presentation work is storytelling, and there's structure, and there's knowing who you're talking to and why you're talking to them. And you have to care about your audience. you got to care about your audience right from the get-go, uh, right from the first moment you're thinking about a presentation. you got to know who your audience is and what they need from you. And then you got to give them that. What do you think? Do you think that's a good you think that's true? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it has to be that because uh, if you're just up there, you know, kind of showing off your skills as a speaker, 
an audience is going to feel that and they will not connect with you. So what you're saying is bang on. Now, you know, it's interesting. You said something very interesting. You said, I had never done a presentation and yet you had had years and years of acting and you've acted professionally. And I know from my point of view, when you play a role on stage or film, it's a presentation. Yes. It's a dramatic presentation. It's structured. It has a beginning, middle, and an end. It's a story. Sure, you might not have done a business presentation, but you, I guess I should let you answer this. What, would you, what did you find was the natural transition from acting to being a presentation coach? How did your acting background enrich what you teach business people in the presentation work? Ah, okay. As actors, we're trained to be present and be in the moment. That's the first and foremost thing. That's the most basic. Be present. Be, be present and alive to yourself, to your message, uh, and to, who, to whom you're communicating with. So, that, so, so, so that's the transferable skill, helping people to get out of their heads, stop thinking about themselves, and get into their message. And for heaven's sakes, to allow passion and story and their humanity to come through, to allow their humanity to come through. Mm-hmm. And that was something that you had gotten a lot of training in and practice in as an actress. Yes, that's right. I, that, that, that is what being an actor is, is, is allowing humanity to come through for whatever character you're playing. And the role of your character is to has a, a specific reason. Your character has a specific reason in the arc of a story. You have to understand the arc of the story, what your character is contributing to the arc of the story. And then your role is to is, is, is to be present in order to allow the humanity of what you're doing flow through. Beautifully put. Thank Would you. you elaborate a little more on, for people who are, don't, are not in, in the professional, in the world of professional mm-hmm. acting or storytelling, yes. what, describe for them in terms they can understand, what is the arc of a story? The arc of the story, quite simply, is the beginning, middle, and end. It doesn't matter if you start your story with the end. It doesn't have to have, you know, every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's, and, there, and therein, you can draw an arc. Okay. And, and I mean, I don't, I don't know how to put it any more simply, Well, okay. I guess what I was thinking of, what intrigues me about the relationship between uh, storytelling in a play, a movie, or a book even, and telling a business story, a presentation where you're making an offer to buy a product or a service, doesn't it begin with, let's say in a play, with a character that is facing some kind of major obstacle or problem? Mm Mm-hmm. And then, as the story begins to build, finds different ways of dealing with that problem, and eventually something will happen that will help that character to either make a major transition to overcome the problem and become victorious, or not 
to be defeated right. by the problem. Right. Would you, wouldn't you call that an arc? Yes, I would call that an arc. Absolutely. So in the simplest form, if I, if I want to convince you, my objective is to convince you or persuade you to see that my product is, uh, is going to help you. First of all, I have to communicate to you what the, all the problems are that you're already having. Mm-hmm. These are all the problems, and I need to communicate them in a way that you that that are real. I'm not. These are your. I need to understand what your problems are, and then communicate them to you what the problems are that you're having. Yeah. Then I'm going to solve the problem. I'm going to solve the problem by showing you what my product, how my product will solve the specific problems that I brought up in just before. And then after we see that, we're going to see what the results are. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's an arc right there. Yeah, that is. That's beautifully put. I mean, because it's like casting the, uh, the prospect or the customer into the role of the character in the story who's struggling with something that they don't like, mm-hmm. taking them on a journey, mm-hmm. and then showing them, hey, here is something that can help you to overcome that, and then painting a vivid picture for them of how their lives are going to be after they have resolved the problem. Exactly. Beautiful. Exactly. And there, there's no tricks to it, right? It's, it's very easy for the, for the listener to be engaged emotionally because we want them to engage emotionally as well as intellectually. So, it, you know, it really does engage the whole person um, yep. who's listening. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's, that's great. That's really great. Now, when you work with people, do you encourage your clients to become good storytellers? And if so, what kind of work do you give them so that they can start doing that? Often when clients come to me, they're coming because they are, have a presentation coming up. When I'm talking about business people who are coming to me, there's a, there's a presentation of some sort. And so very often we're, we're dealing, I'm, I'm working with them on that presentation. So I'm showing them, how, as I'm working with them on the presentation, how to construct a presentation. So, I'm sorry, what was your question? Um, when you work with people, do you give them, do, do you stress for them the importance of learning to become storytellers? And then specifically, do you, what kind of work would you give them so that they can start practicing that? Right. So, yes, I, although I don't think that, I think I'm going to start calling them storytellers. I'm going to, and I'm going to say my friend Louis DeBianco tells me to call you storytellers because that's exactly what you are. What I do is I help them understand that their audience is part of the conversation. The audience is very much there and in conversation with you. So I help them see that they are in the privileged position of leading that group of people through, because that's what your job is, is to lead people through in, in an understandable and an engaging manner. So yeah, that is storytelling. I love that. I really do because what you just described is so different from a person who thinks that a presentation is giving a speech 
Because when you're oh, give, yeah. when you're giving a speech, you're basically putting yourself, at least unconsciously, on a higher level than the people you're talking to. You're talking at them, but if you stress that your presentation is a conversation with your audience, then you've got to be taking into account what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and you're actually talking to their unconscious mind very often. You are, and then as you're going in as the person you know, commanding the room, you've got to be prepared. You can't just walk in there and think you can pull it off the top of your head, which so many people do, myself included. <laughs> no, you can't, because what we have to do as we get to understand who our audience is, um, we have to understand that we all have internal noise. They have internal noise. We have, the speakers have our own just stuff going on. Maybe we're hungry, you know, we've got a meeting to go. Who knows? A, a million thoughts flash by. And everybody has that going on. And so we have to be able to, uh, I'm going to say manage that. I'm mm-hmm. going to say manage that. The speaker, the storyteller, in order to do an excellent job of telling the story, must manage the internal noise of all the audience. This is meant all the, all the entire audience. Wow. To you know, keep you know, them on track with you. You know what I love about that? You know, um, I had the privilege to study presentation work with a, a master who works with the Robert Kiyosaki, and the man's name is Blair Singer. Mm. And he, he actually has a CD program that he sells called Little Voice Management System. Oh, I have heard that, and it is wonderful. I know, I know, and I love it because he goes, when he tells people about it, the first thing they're going to go is, what little voice? And he goes, that little voice. The exactly. One that just, the one that just asked the question, you know. <laughs> That's yeah. really, really good. Now, I know that in your work, there's another area that you're very passionate about. You do work with people for whom English is a second language. They think they're coming to you sometimes for what they call accent adjustment. But I know that for you, it's much more than that. You want to talk a little bit about that? Oh, I'd love to. And thank you for, thank you for opening up this very dear subject matter to me. So, um, yeah, I work with people who English is their second language. So they weren't born English speakers or... Or they are English speakers, but they have a completely different dialect. They could be Nigerian. They could be, uh, you know, Jamaican. And their dialect is, is different than our dialect. Um, our dialect happens to be a North American English-speaking dialect, yours and mine, Lewis, um, and a very specific part of North America as to that. So we all have accents and we all have dialects. But people whose first language is not English um, are at the disadvantage of not being able to hear our English speech sounds, because when we hear speech sounds, we uh, from birth, we hear them from birth, and those sounds, after a while, those sounds become embedded in us. And if we are speaking our first language, it's like you know, if I speak Russian, I'm going to be speaking it with an English accent. I can't help it because I'm going to transfer my sounds and my rhythms into uh, the second language that I'm attempting to, that I'm speaking 
even if I'm fluent in, in Russian. I'm still going to sound like I, I'm speaking Russian with an English accent. So people come to me and they're very, very um, insecure. They feel they're not heard. Um, they're often asked to repeat themselves. Um, they don't know how they come across. They might feel very strongly when they're speaking with one group of people, very often in a status situation where they are, you know, speaking with their bosses. They lose confidence. They start to mumble. They can't be heard. And then they lose themselves. So there's a lot tied up. They come and they often people will say, I want to, I, I want to lose my accent. I never want to have an accent. I want to sound like I was born in North America. And so right off the top, first question is, and why? Why do you want to sound like you're from North America? You're not from North America. You're from Nigeria. Um, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's fine. Um, there's nothing the matter with having an accent. The only problem is, is if people aren't understanding you. Basically, when, 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 when I get down into the deeper subject matter, people are very often insecure because they feel they're being seen and as other, other than the norm. And mm -hmm. I, I, my work is to help them understand that they are the norm. Where you are, what you're talking about, where you are from Nigeria, here in Canada now, for five years, speaking with your beautiful Nigerian accent, you are, you are fine. Everything is fine. There's nothing the matter. That's a, that's, that's a revelation for people. Mm. You're not broken. Mm. You are not broken. Now, we can, we can tighten up a few things here. I can help train your ear. Uh, we can identify, well, if you're going to be in conversation and people, you're losing people because of your accent, um, let's, get, let's get, roll up our sleeves, get down to work, let's identify, let's work on those speech sounds in those areas. And that's fine. That's very technical and it's, it's doable. But more often than not, it's, uh, people are not understood because they're pulling themselves back from a situation. Mm. Oh, you just hit on something that I want to comment on that I would love your comment on. Sure. Um, one of my pet peeves is when I go to any networking event and they ask people to stand up and they might go around the circle and they say, so can everybody tell us a little bit about yourself? And I would say about 90% of the room, I find myself having to bend in to really, really hear their names and to yeah. hear what they're saying. And it's not because they can't speak. It's because unconsciously they're doing what you said. They're holding themselves back. They're not sharing their energy. They're not sharing their voice with the people in the room. Well, you yeah. hit it, hit it, and I'm sorry just to interrupt, but I, oh. I, I want to just jump on that right away. The sharing, because, and that's what I'm finding when I work with clients. What they've taught me to help them understand that the moment you start to become insecure and start becoming self-conscious, you've left the room. You've left the conversation. You're now no longer in the sharing, right? You've disappeared, into your insecurities, into your internal noise. So I actually work with people to be more present. And, it, and, and that's not about accent, is it? No. 
As a matter of fact, what you just said is really important because what I'm thinking of is if a person has internally left the room, but externally they're still making sounds, there's, there's words coming out of their mouths, then the story that they're telling at that moment is a lie. Now, it's not that they're consciously lying to people, but there's a big gap between what they're doing and what the people are receiving because the people are receiving their energy and your energy is your story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm a pretty animated person and so are you. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine if I were on this show and I happen to be talking like this in a monotone voice and I never really changed the inflection at all. And when I said to you, even said to my audience, you know, right now, I'm really excited that um, my friend and business partner, Lynn, is going to be joining us. Do you believe that? No, I tune out. Of course, because there's no excitement there at all. I actually, I uh, here's another little tip for your audience: when you are in an environment where your people are speaking and you're the li- in the listening position, the receiving position, and you find yourself wandering away, I used to think. Well, for myself, I used to think, "Oh, I, I'm stupid. I'm wrong. I'm you know my focus is bad. Uh, whatever." I would. You would always be negative about myself until I finally realized, wait a minute, you've just lost me. I'm wa- I've wandered away f- from what you're saying because, I, A, I didn't understand it, or, or B, you're, you're not communicating to me. Mm-hmm. See, it's, a, it's, two, it's two things. Yes, we have our own internal noise, and, but, and that internal noise gets loud when we disengage from something. Hmm. Wonderfully, wonderfully put. Now, can you give, uh, is there any advice that you would give our listeners to become more effective and authentic storytellers? Practice. Practice telling stories. Notice your energy when you tell stories. Sometimes I just don't like telling stories because I don't have any energy. And it takes energy to tell a story. You have to want to tell the story. Well, what kind of stories would they practice? We use stories as a tool to communicate our larger message. So know what the heck your larger message is and find a story that communicates that larger message. My message is it's not what you say, it's how you say it. But I'm going to communicate that message by telling the story of the woman that I told earlier, who I called, the company I called, and I got this very flaccid voice and this very flaccid image from a woman and uh, it in the end I didn't want to do business with her I she helped me but I didn't want to do business with her so mm. I might practice that story mm. I might practice the ways I want to tell that story fantastic I love that I love that thank you and any tips for people just technically for how, if they feel that their voices are a little tight, if their voices are a little weak, simple exercises they could do daily to help them have a stronger, more present voice. Yes. First of all, just relax and don't listen to yourself. And then just gentle, quiet hum. Just hum. Just hum a tune. And feel those vibrations on your lips when you're humming the tune. Could be Mary Had a Little Lamb. 
And it doesn't have to be on note. It doesn't matter if you're a great singer. You just want to allow the vibrations to come forward in your mouth. So that's why humming is great. I'm just feeling the vibrations on my lips. And our voices are muscles. Uh, vo vocal cords are muscles. They have to be warmed up. And so just warm it up in the shower, driving in your car, quietly padding around your house or your apartment in a really in relaxed manner, just gentle humming. And then from the humming, just start with the words, but real quiet and gentle. And then when you feel your, you'll, your voice will just start to be a little warmer and louder. But don't try to go for belting and, you know, doing an off-Broadway song. Just gentle. Mm. Just simple. And if they did that every day, would they notice a change in the, um, the resonance in their voices? Yeah, particularly if when they're humming, they choose to go up and down, uh, you know, a few notes, go a little lower than than what they would normally go just for, you know, because when we speak, Lewis, we only speak a couple of notes above our sort of middle range. Da, 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 da. That's not very much what I just did. Right. When we sing, we, we, we expand our range more. We have more inflections with singing. So, um, and so that's why it's fun just to warm your voice up. That's all you're doing is you're just warming your voice up. So if you warm your voice up, um, then you're going to have a warmer tones. You're Fantastic. going to have more resonance. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. You know, we're coming toward the top of the hour. Now, if people would like to contact you to take advantage of your experience, your training, um, how can they do that? And uh, does it matter that they're not in the same city as you? Oh, no. Oh, boy, no. Not with the wonders of technology nowadays. It's just great. Um, I work with people on Skype. Um, so it's very easy to get a hold of me. Uh, my company is called Voice Power. So you could go to voicepower.ca for my American friends. That's .ca, not .com, because that's a Canadian uh, address. Uh, and I'm very easy to get a hold of. It's just info at voicepower.ca. Pop me a line. Uh, I have an opportunity for you to fill out a questionnaire online which comes to me, and then I analyze what you've, uh, uh, the answers to my 10 very simple questions on your vocal profile. And, um, and then you can set up uh, through that structure, we can set up an opportunity to chat on the phone. And uh, we can, I can learn more about you and how I can help you. Wonderful. So, and that, that, I assume, would be a free consultation? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Call me up. We'll, we'll discuss what your needs are. Um, I'll lay out a best possible program that I can give you, and we'll, we'll see if that works. Now, if people want to find you on Skype, what name should they be looking for? Very easy. My name, Lynn Woodman, L-Y-N-N, Woodman, W-O-O-D-M-A-N. That is easy and very, very, easy. very clear. Lynn, I can't thank you enough. You've given people such an empowering insights today and practical things that they can do to immediately 
begin to enrich their vocal story. And storytellers, thank you once again for tuning in live today and for receiving the gifts that Lynn has offered to you. Remember to pay it forward. Share this information with your friends and network. Let them know that they can hear this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at changeyourstorypodcast.com. And that at that website, they can download a free ebook, Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Now, as you go forward during this next week, ask yourself this question What is my vocal story? And is there a hidden, unlocked potential? in my voice, that I can now begin to discover, and as an aid to find the key to unlocking that treasure, remember to ask, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.